I'm Catherine Budig. And I'm Kate Fagan. And this is Free Cookies, a podcast that is raised from the ashes like the phoenix from hiatus to talk about books. Is that our, is that the new? That's the new tagline. The new log line? Okay, <laughs> well, say it again then, since it's the new log line. Free Cookies, the podcast that is like the phoenix risen from the ashes from a long hiatus to talk to you about books. Uh, we, let's workshop that, but I like it. It's a good start. I like, should, do you remember the original one? Oh, God. Free cookies. I, d- I couldn't even remember when we were doing it every week. A, a podcast. podcast offering... Filled with. Filled with delicious conversations. Thoughtful conversations. Filled with thoughtful conversations and offering delicious tankaways. <laughs> what, what accent was that? I don't know. That's my, I can't remember anything accent. We back, baby! We are back. You didn't think we were going to make it. But we made it. We didn't think we were going to make it. No, we definitely didn't think this was ever going to happen again. But I have been wiggling my way into Kate's brain. (laughs) And I finally have tipped her over into the glass of milk where the cookies belong. Wow. You've been you've been workshopping a lot of (laughs) metaphors for this launch of free cookies. But no, I mean, we are back. And part of it is that it's free cookies and we love doing free cookies. And then part of it is that you have been working on in really cool project that blends perfectly with what free cookies does. So there was no way to not bring it back with this new project. And you may be wondering what project is this? What is a project that is so wonderful that you would relaunch free cookies? Ragnar. You must be Ragnar Lothbrok. Ragnar Lothbrok. You are Ragnar Lothbrok. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a little puppy. No. For those of you who haven't been following us on social, we have had a, a lot happen since we last spoke. Our beloved Husky and Puggle, Kiona and Ashi, have crossed the Rainbow Bridge. Ashi would be like, that's bullshit. I didn't cross the Rainbow Bridge. I'm swimming in, in cookies. Gold. <laughs> Golden cookies. But we have adopted a little pug mix, and we named him Ragnar Ashison. True Viking warrior. To, to respect his forebearer. Mm-hmm. And um, he's in Kate's lap right now, which is better than him being in the background chewing on his Kong, which is a soothing sound to him, but probably not to podcast listeners. And Kong is a little toy, not his wee-wee, just FYI. Just in case you're wondering. <laughs> okay, but the real project, um, <laughs> I mean, the, the real project is Ragnar, but you know what I'm talking about. Right. Give people the lowdown on how this came about, what it is, what your hopes are for it. So just to put it out there so I don't bury the lead, Inky Phoenix Press, we are going to publish books. Something that I always dreamt about saying, but never thought was going to be an actual reality because it turns out if you want to open a publishing house, I would have to quit everything else I'm doing and turn that into a full-time job. However, I had a little magic fairy float into my life by the name of Matt Kay, who you will hear from later today, along with co-founder, co-founder Meg. <laughs> you could do a 3 2 what one What are these there? accents? Yeah. No, why do a 3 oh. two, one when this is, co-founder. Re- this is real talk? Um, and they have co-founded a business called Bindery Books. And it's kind of genius. It's basically, think about it if Patreon and the publishing world had a baby because Matt comes from the world of Patreon. And he just saw the influence, particularly with BookTok, how in the past few years, BookTok has had this unbelievable power to transform books into massive bestsellers. And by BookTok, we don't mean BookTok, we mean TikTok 
for books. We do. Thank you Thank for you. that clarification. Book talk. Are you just trying to keep up with my accents? Because that was good. And also, I figure not everyone is in on the TikTok verse. So. Uh, like myself. Yeah. I am not part of the TikTok universe. However, Matt saw basically that bookish uh, tastemakers is the word that they're using, but bookish lovers of story, yeah. such as myself, founder of Inky Phoenix Book Club. Um, he saw the power that they were wielding. So he had this idea to pull together a small group of, quote, tastemakers and to create micro imprints. So each of us were launching, I think there's about eight of us for the launch, and they are looking to expand. But we will. We each have our own imprint. I am Inky Phoenix Press. and oh, with, a, with a sweet, sweet logo. Oh, y'all have to check out the logo. And we'll explain how you can see all of this later. But it's it's basically giving you the opportunity to join us, a la Patreon, what we used to do. There's a $5, $12, $25 tier. And depending on the level that you are part of, you get access to different bonuses, like bonuses from free cookies. Yum, um, yum, 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 but yum. most importantly, it's going to give you a front row seat to the publishing experience, all the way from submissions from authors, all the different manuscripts that I'm reading, to helping me pick the author that we want to publish, and then getting to know the author along the way, helping pick the cover art for the final manuscripts, uh, just invites to the party if you're on the top tier the launch party it's it's going to be amazing so if you love to read and you you know find yourself buying one book a month and you want a fraction of that to go towards changing an author's life and bringing their beautiful story that has been stuck in their brain that fell onto the paper but doesn't know where to go because getting published is so hard you can be part of changing that yeah yeah it's been really cool to watch you from the first email outreach from Bindery to what it has become and how it so perfectly melds with what you have done with Inky Phoenix and different dreams that you've had. And also as somebody, both of us having published books, the publishing industry does need a shakeup, especially because on on the backside of publishing a book, a, a place like Bindery is offering more, much higher share of success if, there is success in, you know, earning back. It, yes. There's advances. There's like, more it equity is, in the payment yeah. process. But we don't want to get too big, too deep into the weeds right now. We'll talk about that in the interview. Yeah, because we, we're, we're going to have the bindery folks on this. It's not quite the inaugural episode of Free Cookies. What do we call it when something is back? When you thought Let's it, come it, up it, with a word. It's the Phoenix episode. Okay. It's the Phoenix episode, baby. So we've named, we've also written Phoenix the cookies. title for this episode. The Thank Phoenix you. episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're so excited to be back on free cookies and to still be living in the book world as we make this show. And also just to be back together. I know. Talking. It is nice. Look at us. Yeah. We worried that maybe free cookies was affecting our marriage and we're going to see how I guess we'll see. Turn <laughs> we'll let you know if it's affecting it adversely because it <laughs> won't exist anymore. No. But I don't know. We have Ragnar. He's going to be the referee between us. Like, keep things fair. Keep it yeah. clean. Yeah. You know? And then if we fight, you know, we'll have to go, like, hump us stuff to alligator. That would probably be his method. That's his method. Uh, one more thing, but please have something to say after this. You'll know why. Because you don't want to end on humping a stuffed alligator. No, I don't You mind. don't feel like that's a good transition into I, the bios? I think that's great imagery for everybody. <laughs> the alligator is about his size, about 11-pound size dog, and he, and he humps it. But that's not where we want to end the top of the show. 
have something to say after this because one of the key things in my mind in relaunching free cookies is that I can't always be the last person to say things in every segment because apparently I try to do that mm. even if it's just a little like See oh that's ya. true we did, yeah like you, it's always you like, like you know that. I always picture like the hands when you're on like a play playground as a kid and you like whoever gets the hand on top yeah yeah and I always feel like I do the um, podcast version of that so I'm gonna really try to not bring that so is this going to be a me. more equitable experience for the hosts of free cookies as well as for the publishing world look at you shaking your head and not saying anything you look like you got a poop <laughs> okay <laughs> oh, oh, oh it oh can you not nah. <laughs> coming up no i'm just kidding no <laughs> and see matt k started his career as a book marketer in publishing after a Columbia Business School MBA, he joined the Amazon Books team, followed by several roles in tech, including VP of Growth at Seed Stage Startup Inc. Shares, Head of Growth and Engagement at Trulia, and most recently, Head of Product Design and Research at Patreon. And of course, now he has co founded Bindery Books. Meg Harvey is also a co founder and president of Bindery. She began her career as editor at Becker and Mayer Books, a book packaging company owned by Chronicle Books, producing high-profile licensed and complex illustrated books for major publishers in collaboration with licenses ranging from DC Comics to Kurt Cobain's estate to the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. After a detour into brand marketing leading global digital initiatives for Adidas, she returned to the book world with Girl Friday Productions, where she stayed for nearly 10 years, most recently in the role of chief of strategy and helped steer the firm from full service book production house for major publishers to award studded independent publishing services company. All right, Meg, Matt, we are so excited to have you with us today. And I'll have you know, you were the first people on Free Cookies. Yes, the, you were the inaugural guest of the reboot. Free cookies back for y'all, basically. <laughs> <laughs> <We're> <laughs> I, you know, um, but I, I was going through my email the other day because I wanted to find the original email that you sent me, Matt, when you reached out about this, and it was through one of those, right. you know, internet submission through info at Catherine Budig, and it came through on September twenty first, twenty twenty two, and I think that was the second email you wrote me because I guess I didn't write. <laughs> <laughs> to the first one. <laughs> we were excited about you. <laughs> and I just, I wanted to, you talked about it as, let's see, I couldn't shake an idea tied to my publishing roots, a way for people like you who have built thriving bookish communities to essentially lead your own branded publishing imprint without any of the overhead, but the same cultural and financial upside. And I was like, oh, Patreon, oh, legit publishing. This is something I've always wanted to do. Okay. Um, And then we spoke many, many times. And then Meg, I met you soon after. And it's been this unbelievable journey that we're very excited for people to understand better through this. So in your words, whoever wants to take it, what is Bindery? I can can take (laughs) it. so Bindery, like the, the short way of describing it is it's a membership platform that lets book tastemakers become publishers. Um, and what that means is it, it works similar to Patreon, where a book tastemaker can offer exclusive content and community experiences and branded merch for a monthly membership fee. But for larger communities, 
what we're doing is taking some of what um, a tastemaker would earn on a platform like Patreon and putting it towards the publication of a book. So we're kind of entering into a partnership together where we take all of our experience from the publishing world, our relationships with the literary agents, with um, being able to produce books and distribute them and market them, and pair that with um, you who have taste that people love and a community of people that love what you're all about um, and a platform that can help authors who have been just overlooked by the industry or left behind by consolidation or don't have the platform to be successful self-publishing actually get their book out there in a way they deserve. And that's really the whole root of all of this is there's just so many authors where the paths today don't work. And we saw this membership concept and, and the power of influencers like you um, paired with these authors of amazing stories to bring books out that we think will be incredibly meaningful um, to the to the world, and that's that's really the whole the whole intent here. Okay, so this is fun for me only because I've been hearing about Bindery behind the scenes for like a year or so. Like after the first Zoom, I was like, "What what is actually happening here?" And then Zoom after Zoom, kind of seeing it build. So for the two, well, let's say, Megan, you answer this just so we split the love here. What was the, like, the kind of cocktail napkin moment for starting this, right? Like the first kind of scribbles about Bindery. Was it Matt coming to you or vice versa? Like, kind of take us to, like, if this were a Hollywood movie and we were doing the origin story, what was it? Well, there kind of was an actual cocktail napkin moment um, in San Francisco when I went to visit Matt in twenty late 2021, I think. It yeah, was. that's right. Um, and I had been in the position of, I, I've worked with authors my entire career, um, making books for traditional publishers, but more recently, kind of um, almost reactively making books for individual authors, because I started seeing all these authors coming to our agency and saying, can I just hire you to help me like publish this to a high degree of quality and competitively, but like self-publish it and use your good editors and your good designers and make sure it looks like a quality piece on the shelf. And we said, sure, of course we can do that. Um, but I sort of had this front row seat to like author earnings and these mid-list authors, these solid mid-list authors who had deals with a traditional publisher getting passed around various houses and then sort of falling off the vine. And so I was in a consultant role with these authors, helping them self-publish. And so I was working for the author and for, so that's, I've been doing that for almost a decade. And, um, you know, my interest is their interest in making sure they can sort of, um, maximize their earning potential and open up new revenue streams for them, et cetera. So because of that, I was reaching out to Matt because I knew he was at Patreon at the time. And I was like, there's a Patreon, like, I just need to figure out, you know, what we can put together for authors with regard to Patreon. There wasn't really an idea there in my head, except for this interest in like author earnings. And so um, Matt actually he and I worked together for almost two years when he was at Inkshares, which was a crowdfunded publisher. Um, and so we made 60 books together during that time. So I, I knew he was good. And so I reached out to Matt and said, let's have lunch. And um, we did. And we just got to talking about the problem that is not new, which is sort of the consolidation in the industry and like the costs rising and like what kind of deals authors are getting these days and who's getting them and 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 all of the effects of that and it feels like a bummer sort of a blockbuster landscape um to us and so 
we were talking about that problem and we were also talking about um, this new phenomenon, which is more recent of just like book talk and book influencers online and their impact on sales and the way that that has been documented. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, even in that first conversation, we both left being like, we just want to keep talking about this. So we, we like set a date to talk once a month or something, just like about this problem. And it quickly evolved into there's something here. There's something in this idea of pairing authors who I know so well, who, who don't, aren't going to get a traditional deal. And they're also not going to be successful as self-published authors. They're sort of like the voiceless majority of the midlist. I think of them as like, they're just writers. They want to write and they want to hone their craft and they have no interest potentially or skill in like developing a platform online. Um, and yeah, the, pairing those folks with, um, people who are really, really skilled at reaching readers, which you are, Catherine, um, and so many others that we're working with. So that, yeah, just kind of evolved out of there. Yeah, I remember it really well. Um, when I left that lunch, and I'd been at Patreon about two and a half, almost three years, and I was head of product. And I left that lunch and walked home in like the mission in San Francisco. And I was like, I feel more excited right now about whatever we just talked about than I have in a very long time. And then as we kept talking, it got to this point where I was like, if I don't quit Patreon and build this thing, I'm going to go crazy. Like it feels like I'm seeing firsthand all of these things. And we have all this experience that led us in this direction. And I was like, there's just something really, really important here. And we're the people to build it. And, and we just, we just had to. For authors, or their literary agents who are going to submit them to our individual imprints. This is very interesting for me because it's all about ego in this moment. And this is why I think the big five are the big five because most authors dream about being published at one of the big five, mainstream publishing, you know, forward facing on the bookshelves with the featured, all of that stuff. How do we convince our authors, aside from the fact that breaking through feels impossible these days, how do we break through the ego and build trust for authors that this is the way to go? I mean, I have my answer to that. I know why I want to, but I'm, I'm curious if that's something that you've thought about. You know, if someone's like, well, I don't want a tastemaker to be my publisher. I want HarperCollins or something along mm -hmm. those lines. How do we shave that down for them? I personally don't think we need to because there are, that is a valid thing. Like people wanting the validity of like a big five house. And if that is their goal, great. And like they can pursue that. And that pathway is, is very good for a lot of writers. There are hundreds of thousands of writers in the mid list though, that have kind of move beyond that in their career. And that's who I'm thinking about, honestly, when we're, when we develop this model, um, because a debut author often might have that as a, as a goal and that is fine. But then the economics of like being a career writer come to play and <laughs> they start going, wait a minute, now I'm not getting a follow-on deal because I didn't earn out my advance. And now I have to shop around to another publisher and there's no stability and my royalties are, are minimal and the publisher's not supporting me with enough marketing dollars. And they tell me to go hire a digital agency or whatever the line is, you know, 
um, though that there's so much frustration there. Um, and so those are the folks that are already really open to this idea. Anyone who has been trying to sell books for any amount of time, in, authors included, <laughs> knows that this is a great idea. And that's why we have a lot of submissions already um, from previously traditionally published authors who recognize that this has huge potential to directly reach their readers, which is just a challenge for all publishers at this point. Yeah, it's funny because we we collaborated with a lot of authors in the development of this model and was expecting pushback and got very little. Like so many of them are like, we know who sells books now. And if my goal, you know, so people want prestige and that's fine. But if my goal is to reach readers and sell books, this is how they're sold now. And it's the opportunity to get paired with somebody who can put the full force of their community behind your book like that. There's nothing else like that for an author today. Let's talk about language for a quick second. Language as it relates to bindery. Two words come to mind whenever I'm like looking at bindery stuff. One is bindery itself. The name bindery. Can you share with us some of the failed names <laughs> uh, or just how you workshop to get to bindery? Bindery seems pretty self-explanatory when you look at it because you're like books, bindery, bindery. makes sense. Although I've, I've heard it pronounced wrong um, a few times already. <laughs> and then also, you know, when I, when I'm, when I read like the, the taglines of bindery and the language around it, I, I don't love the word tastemaker, but I couldn't come up with a better one. So I, but I would love to hear how you decided, well, that's really the most accurate word if that, if that is what you ended up deciding. So, it, it, you know, please share with us any failed names. And then also like, how did you eventually discuss and land on, okay, Tastemaker has to be like the cornerstone piece of this. Yeah, this took a long time. <laughs> That's the hardest part of the whole thing, honestly. Yeah, damn language. The, the, <laughs> It's so hard because you, you want to convey so much. And and um, and so the, the the first thing we were calling Bindery at the outset um, is we had this idea that these, these communities led by tastemakers were almost like publishing collectives. And so we're like, maybe we should call it like collectively or something to sense of people kind of coming together to see books come out in the world. So collectively was was like a maybe the code name for it for a while. I don't think we felt the best about it. It didn't feel quite right or it didn't feel like it landed the right way. Um, we had faction as something we were exploring for a second because it felt like more um, empowered, like people can kind of come together and, and push something forward. Um, and, you know, we kept exploring names that had like trademark issues. And um, when Bindery came around as, as a name we were looking at, I think what, what struck me is it, it it checked a bunch of boxes for us. One is it has this kind of bookishness, which I think is important for us. Like that's what we're all about. Um, but two, there is this sense of like binding, of bringing together, which is really what we're doing. Like we are having a community led by a tastemaker enable the publication of books that would seem too risky for other publishers and that impacts all kinds of marginalized and unrepresented and overlooked authors. And, and this idea of like weaving authors and tastemakers and communities together into something that could be more powerful than any of the pieces alone. Um, I feel like that that came closest to conveying the feeling that we wanted to convey. Um, I've heard um, bindery and binderly. Uh -huh. <laughs> but like, I think as we get out there, that will, that will kind of resolve. <laughs> um, and then tastemaker was something else that we talked about a lot. Um, and I think that 
um, it, it, it struck me maybe like early on in this process that it was going to be really important because of our mission. And, and the reason I say that is if we were to just say influencer, that's a very specific kind of book person. Um, and our vision for this is anybody who has any kind of audience around some mission um, could potentially be on Bindery. And this is like in, inspired by what I saw at Patreon, where you have these creators who don't really register on social media. Maybe they have like 10,000 followers or something, but those followers are so engaged that those creators can actually earn a good amount of money and start, they're almost like their own media companies, essentially. Um, so I think influencer conveys the sense of like who has the biggest following, where tastemakers, to me, anybody who can... Um, set the taste and has like enough of a community to actually make this possible. And our dream would be having tastemakers and buying it, maybe just have huge email lists, maybe a bookstore with a really engaged audience or people that you wouldn't think of as influencers in the traditional way. Um, but if they have the kind of audience that wants to see books exist in the world, could make that possible through our platform. Did you think about coming up with a new word? I don't remember us inventing new okay. words. Um, and I, I think part of it is like, what we're doing, nothing exists like Bindery. It, it, it kind of borrows some influences from different places, but there's already a lot to convey. And so I think the idea of creating an entirely new word didn't didn't um, seem like a, 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 the right place to focus. Um, but maybe maybe it'll still happen. I don't know, binders. Binders, I love that. <laughs> Trapper keepers. Oh, yeah. Exactly. You went down a different path there, I did. but I, I like it. That. I can't okay. help it. <laughs> so this touches upon, for people who have been paying attention, since Publishers Weekly announced Bindery, there has been a strong reaction, maybe mm. one that was expected, maybe not. However, like anything new and innovative, there have been opinions and strong, mm -hmm. lots of hesitation, some of them quite negative. And this leads to me that I know many of the TikTokers because I, I think I'm the only one in this launching crew of tastemakers that doesn't TikTok. And I'm sure that's not even avert. Like, it is. It is. is. Do you yeah, TikTok? Sure. Okay. Yeah, sure. See, yeah. I'm, I'm really exposing yeah. myself right now. Um, I'm the only one without like the book talk following. And I have felt a little insecure about that. And I guess my question for you, when I look at the group that I'm in, I feel like I'm the matriarch of this group, Mama Phoenix. <laughs> Why did you reach out yeah. to me? Why did you reach out to the Inky Phoenix? I, I feel, and maybe it's my insecurities, but like <laughs> a little... Fishing for compliments here. And definitely not fishing uh -oh. for compliments, fishing for stability uh -huh. and trying to, <laughs> to not feel like the outlier. <laughs> No, no. It's a, I mean, it's a really easy answer for us. Like, I think that what we did before we reached out to anybody and, and there was sort of an initial list that we developed that was meant to be people who could give us feedback on the idea before we like threw everything we had into it. Um, we, we did a bunch of research and we're very intentional about a couple things. One is trying to find people across um, different platforms. So if it was just capitalizing on book talk, that to me is not a sustainable business because it could be something else in a couple of years and something else a couple of years after that. Like, I think this has to be something that could work for anybody with a bookish audience. So um, looking at multiple platforms is really important. Um, two, uh, people that had really diverse taste in books. Again, I think that if it's 
all people who are just romance or um, just um, horror or whatever it might be, like it, it wouldn't, I think, again, help us kind of show that this is something that we think could appeal for any genre. Um, and then people who we really liked, like we spent a lot of time just looking at people's taste and content. And we knew that if people were interested and it was a, something that felt like a good idea to them, we might be working with them for a long time. And um, I know Meg actually knew of your work for years. Um, and so that was the list. I think it was maybe like 50 to 100 people to start. And then a bunch of people replied, a bunch of people didn't. And I think what was really encouraging to us is of the people that replied, um, when we started talking about the idea, unanimously, they all wanted to see it exist in the world. And, and almost all of them, I think, are now a part of it. Um, so that that really helped us feel like there was something really special here. Um, and you and your feedback and and what you create was a part of that. I would say, like, even as recently as, like, a, probably right around the time you got the first email from not yet called Bindery, but Bindery <laughs> in the be Bindery. Yeah. Um, you had been talking about, like, what would it take to, like, start a little independent publishing house? I was truly, and, <clears throat> excuse me, and then, I was like, truly contemplating it. And then the second you start to think about it, you probably can't even think about all the things you need to think no. about. Full-time job. Yeah. It would have like, been, I, I would like, have well, to quit everything, found a just, you know, a pirate's booty of money yeah. to start this business. So for you two, can you kind of share with people the the infrastructure that you may not think of that goes into putting a book into the world, not just an ebook, but <laughs> getting it on bookshelves, the warehousing, the shipping, the, the, like take us through like all of those different steps that need to happen and, and how you all are solving for them. Yeah, there's a ton. So um, I mean, they're on the creative side, obviously there is, you know, selecting the right team for every single book. So that means if you're publishing, you know, fantasy, you want to have an author or a, a editorial team that is steeped in that genre, reflective of the author and their passion, you know, a genre specialized designer. And so then the moment you publish a second book, you're kind of back to that um, search. Um, so having like knowing who to go for to for all of those like key resource partners is really important in the in the creative production process. But then there are also just things that if you want to be a small press even, and you want traditional di trade distribution into bookstores and Barnes and Noble and Target or whatever, you can't, um, I mean, you, you have to partner with a distributor. You have to have a sales force that like goes and pitches your books at sales conference. You have to understand how the metadata works and like feeding that into all of these, you know, it's just, um, other like tiny stuff, like how do you register your ISBN and yeah. to whom? And like how, like it's just publishing ops stuff that people, do. I mean, I, I've been like coaching individual authors to learn all of this stuff for a long time. And it's just a lot, like people would rather outsource that stuff anyway. Um, so it's possible to learn, but you're right, Catherine, that it's like, it's a lot. And it, it is still an industry that's built very much on relationships, especially on this, the distribution and sales side. So you just kind of run into these barriers um, if you don't have that like structure set up already. Will you take us through some of the fixes, not fixes, but partnerships that Bindery has set to fix, I mean, solve some of those? 
Yeah. So the two major ones are that we are partnering with Girl Friday Productions, which I worked there for 10 years and I have a very high level of confidence in their um, creative ability to make beautiful books start to finish. Not only make beautiful books, but like manage a really lovely high touch author process, um, which is important to me and, and to Matt in terms of the experience that our authors have going through Bindery. Um they're, uh, they've been around since 2006 and they have a huge pool of editors and designers that work across all genres. And so that gives us the flexibility at this early stage to be able to really match make editors and designers to the project. If we were to hire in-house, we wouldn't, we would be sort of stuck with who we had and we can't hire that many people. Um, and then the other major partnership is with, um, Two Rivers, which is a brand of Ingram, which is the largest book distributor, um, and that's, yeah, that's our distribution arm. So we will be going to Ingram sales conferences and like personally talking about each of these books and telling, you know, the reps, the national reps, why um, we think this one, you know, should be placed here and there um, and bought in across the country. So that's that sort of high touch um, sales process that needs to happen in order for a book to get into the trade. And in the creation of Bindery, what has been the easiest aspect of putting this together? And what has shocked you at how remarkably difficult it has become? That's a good question. I think one thing that I heard was going to be hard and was hard <laughs> was raising enough money to um, make sure that we could build a sustainable business um, and raise money from people that cared about the long-term mission as much as we did. Um, and, and so I think that was really important to both of us is I feel like there are so many like tech horror stories of like you people raise a ton of money and then like blow it all on growth or do all these unsustainable things or lose sight of the mission or have investors that want you to do really icky things. And we just wanted to be really deliberate and careful and have uh, uh, an investor pool that we're all people we loved and like, we're going to help us and truly cared about what we were doing. Um, and so starting in January, once I think I felt like there was a lot of validation for the idea, we went out there and, and talked to so many people. Um, and there were just a lot of people that, um, just don't like books. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's the thing. They're like, wow, you two have amazing backgrounds. And this is a really cool idea. It's so smart. I just I just don't like books. Or like I People... don't I don't like see a future for books. Or, you know, like and, and I think they're it's just it's just incredible. Cause I think for for me, it's like um books have withstood so many other types of media and are clearly so beloved of the root of all culture. Like it's so obvious that in a hundred years, people are still going to want books, physical yes. books. Like there's going to be all kinds of ways to consume content, but like the, the magic of a physical book and, and how long that lives and, and how much that means to us, um, that, that isn't a shared opinion by everybody, especially in the investor community. But we we found incredible people ultimately. I think like that that time we took to make sure that people were right paid off. I think every everybody that invested and got us to a point where we have enough to just build a sustainable business and um, keeping with our values um, worked out. It was just like a really intense and and it's it's just funny to spend that much time talking to people 
who um, devalue the thing you love most. <laughs> you know, it's like a little bruising, but but you get through it. That was definitely the hardest. Um, the other question was, what was the easiest, yeah. right? Um, I think that uh, for me, what was surprisingly, I wouldn't say easy, but um, the response from tastemakers and literary agents. Like, I think that when people were willing to talk to us, they were like, eyes bulging like this is so smart and such a good idea like the response from literary agents especially like you think that they're just want to get their authors placed at big publishers no they see the exact same challenges we do they have the exact same love for their authors that we do and they want their authors to be as big as possible and they get it they really get it and we weren't sure if they would and they do and so that was like the number of agents we're working with and submissions we're getting um, and the, the the list of tastemakers who want to join from our wait list, it's like all of that has um, made us so, so deeply encouraged. Tastemakers on the wait list. That's right, baby. Okay. Um, <laughs> Meg, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Or did... Yeah. No, I would say the same thing. I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of question marks when you start something like, will will this happen? Will this happen? Will this happen? And like the the excitement from from agents for me, I'm, I'm the person that's like interfacing with agents and getting a lot of the manuscripts in and, you know, some agents are doing just fine and sell like huge types of books to huge types of publishers. And they're like, what's the matter, you know, <laughs> but those folks I haven't come across, like almost every single conversation that I've had with agents has just been, this is so needed. I'm really excited about this. Like here are five manuscripts, you know, <laughs> and also, you know, agents, it's their job to work on behalf of their author. And so I'm sharing all of our terms up front, like on a very nitty gritty level. Um, and they're, they're really excited about what feels like a very author friendly um, structure. And so and I feel speaking great of terms, I would love to for anyone listening right now who is contemplating a tier subscription for Inky Phoenix. But maybe, you know, I've never had to pay to be part of Inky Phoenix. Why should I start paying now? Um, just to reiterate, 50% of that will go towards Bindery, towards publishing the author that we land on. 50% goes towards Inky Phoenix to help create the content. I've personally decided that I will not take my 50% until we have reached the amount of money we need to publish our first book because I want it so badly. <laughs> so I just want to know everyone listening that 100% of your dollars that you give are going to be going into changing an author's life. It's like a telethon. I just, I'm so excited. I, 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 I the passion that I have for it is it, it makes my tummy twirl like a little, little gymnastic. I don't know. Anyway, gymnast, gymnast, gymnastic act. Um, but for people who are kind of on the fence with this, you know, I know especially with Patreon, right? $5 is like a cup of coffee. And for $5 a month, we used to say that on our podcast yeah, when yeah. we had a Patreon, um, you know, <laughs> convincing people that this is a, a place to paste their money. And I feel like especially for bibliophiles, like $5, I mean, that's not even a full book. And these are people who right. go in and will someday die by their to-be-read pile, right? They have so many books in their home. So what an amazing way to spend five, fifteen, twenty-five dollars a month. But I just would love to hear from y'all if there's any, you know, extra push for our listeners 
of why they want to be putting their money towards this? Yeah, I can I can speak a bit to just what I saw at Patreon. So I, I think that the Patreon creators that were more most successful, I think they their audience had two qualities. One was like they just wanted more of what they were already getting. Um, you know, if you love a podcast or you love a visual artist and you get to get more of what you already love, like that often is is enough. And I think that coupled with another thing, which is this idea that you just want that creator to exist in the world. Like, you know, they just want you to be able to do what you're doing with more creative independence, like the ability just to um, continue supporting authors and, and creating this community and cultivating this community. All of that matters a ton. And I think what's special about what we're doing that goes on top of that um, is actually participating in publishing decisions, being able to see how you're thinking about what to publish. Um, being able to communicate what you want to see in the world and have that be heard and then getting a front row seat to the publishing process. And this is the thing where so many people and I work in publishing make such little money because it feels so magical to be a part of the process of publishing and at the end, actually hold that book in your hands. Like it is like Goose, I'm goosebumping right now thinking about it. like it's like this 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 true it's magic and and I think that like however hard the industry is and however low paying the wages are when you get a traditional publisher people stay because of that feeling and if that feeling can be spread like it, it feels like for the money that feels like it's worth it <laughs> I think it'll be worth it for a lot of people well one thing you know as a as an author as well like sometimes you'll you know when I was trying first trying to get published you like Google some publisher you heard of or something, and then there'll be all these boards that are like, that place is a scam. You know, and then you realize, oh, they're actually not a publishing house. And so you you start to learn that like, oh, okay, there's certain places where you might think it's a publishing house, but it's actually you are self-publishing and you are gonna pay them to self-publish. And I think in me in watching the reaction to Bindery these first couple of weeks, I feel like there's some confusion about what it is. Can one of you articulate like the, the lane that Bindery is occupying? <laughs> I have so much compassion for everyone who is confused because this is a landscape that is complete. It's like a total quagmire um, for authors. Like you said, like you, I'm going to publish my book. What do I do? There's like the traditional route. There's the self-published route with like fully assisted services that you're yeah. paying for. And there's university and then, presses oh, there's, and there's like, you know, like there's, yeah. Totally. And now there's this huge like scale in the middle called hybrid publishing, which is some mixture of the two where like some financial burdens on the author, but there's certain traditional like elements to that. Like maybe you're getting distribution or whatever, but each individual hybrid house looks completely different from the other. And you're like comparing apples to oranges and it's just, it's a lot. And there are bad actors and there are bad actors on every end of that spectrum, traditional self and in the middle. Um, Bindery is, in my view, on that in terms of the publishing pathways, we are a traditional publisher. And that is the reason I say that is because we offer author advances and royalties. So like that's not happening on the self-published side. The author does not take any financial risk in the creative production of their book. And on the distribution end, we're doing full like traditional distribution, which you won't find on, on, on the self-published end of the spectrum. Um However, it is not traditional in the sense that the acquisitions model is decentralized. So instead of me being the acquiring editor that decides what gets published, 
it's Catherine and everyone else who we're working with. It's the people who are closest to those reading communities. And then at the end, when the book is published, we have such an incredibly dynamic partnership over the marketing of the book that a traditional publisher wouldn't have. Um, so I still, I still think of it as traditional publishing in that way. Are, are you free to share mm -hmm. like that, the, that there are royalties on the back end as well? And like, or, okay, I didn't know if that was like, yeah. So it's not just in advance. You also are participating on the back end profits as well as an author. Okay. Yes. The, the author is getting an advance against their royalty. Right. The yes. Traditional so model in that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think what the membership model allows us to unlock, and that's why we feel so passionately about it is mm -hmm. um, we're able to offer about two to three times the royalty rate of traditional publishers. The traditional publishers where it gets a little confusing, but you sort of bear with me for a second. They'll, they'll make six to 8% of list price. So like if the book is, you know, $20, they'll make six to 8% of that. Um, we're offering 50% of net royalties um, and specifically net royalties that doesn't include any marketing expenses. So if there's a $20 book and we get, let's say $8 from Ingram, four of that goes to the author directly. And so the fact that some of the, the risk of publishing is being offset by this membership model, it means that authors earn more. And that's so deliberate because publishing is just kind of this like all or nothing bestseller game. And so all the publishers are acquiring authors they think could be bestsellers and they just pump them out there and see who hits, you know, what sticks against the wall. Like basically one's gonna work, the others just get abandoned. Um, and we wanted to think of a model that allowed an author to actually earn what they deserve, even if they're not a bestseller. So if they sell tens of thousands of copies, which could be considered a failure by some traditional publishers, depending on the advance, that could be very lucrative for authors in this model. And that's really the idea is we want this to be something that actually works for those kinds of mid-list authors. And the bestseller is going to happen. And that's going to be amazing. And when that happens, we believe the author deserves most of the, the value from that, not the publisher. We're in the traditional model publishers need to earn the value of that to offset the risk of the other books they're publishing. And something I want everyone to understand that's listening right now as authors who have been through the publication process and there's big promises from the publisher and the PR team and all of these great spots that you're going to land. And look, if you're a publicist listening to this, respect. You have a very difficult job. That is not an easy job. I know it's hard to land these things, but it's easy as the author to think like, I'm going to be on the Today Show or, I don't know, have something amazing. And what I'm most excited about with Bindery is that you will legit have an entire village behind you so ecstatic about this book, about this story, wanting to see it out in the world. It's going to be remarkably powerful. It's not going to be, oh, it's pub week. We're going to push for a week and then give up this. You are going to have an entire family behind you wanting to see you succeed. And I'm just, I cannot wait to see that come to life. It's going to be absolutely magical. Absolutely magical. I know. And for people and, listening, and that was oh, sorry. My, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say like, um, I was a book publicist. That was how I got my you're my like, uh, um, start in publishing. <laughs> that was my job. And it was, you know, as a book publicist, when like all the book review editors was like in the mid 2000s and towards the late 2000s, all the book review editors got laid off 
And the, the outlets to actually get covered went away and there are fewer and fewer spots to actually get an author notice. So everybody's competing for that same spot in the New York Times Book Review and Fresh Air and the Today Show and like just, just the, the places that are that you know will sell books. Um, and so it got really hard. And that's why this like rise of influencers in the book space has been so inspiring because it means that so many more books have an opportunity. And what always drives book sales, always, 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 Whatever happens on the media side is word of mouth. And that's where this model feels so special is like, not only do you have this, this influencer putting you know all of their support behind you, if there's hundreds or thousands of people in that community that have been along for the ride, that feeling of investment they're gonna have upon launch and that word of mouth that's gonna result, like you can't get that any other way. There's nothing else like it. All right. Well, thanks y'all for joining us for the for the regular session. So if people are listening to this now, there's about to be a bonus section that is going to involve Catherine humming 90s, early 2000s hits, That's among right, other which things. you can only get yes. if you subscribe on one of our tiers to Inky Phoenix <laughs> under Bindery. So find us there. But ta-ta for now. <laughs> That'll do it for the Phoenix episode of Free Cookies, but not before we tell the folks a little bit more about Inky Phoenix Press and Free Cookies and how those two are going to work and how people can help support the making of this show and also the making of books. That's right. Once upon a time before Free Cookies rose from the ashes, Mm. we used to have a Patreon, and that's how you could support us. However... Things have changed. We have risen and we have evolved. So basically what I'm trying to say, if you love our podcast and you would like to hear more of it and you don't want to have any ads about, you know, like fancy mattresses and stuff like that, what you can do is go to inkyphoenix.binderybooks.com. Again, that is inkyphoenix.binderybooks.com. And there you will learn all about our projects, what's going on with Inky Phoenix and Inky Phoenix Press, and you'll see three different tiers that you can join. So it could be five, 12, or $25 a month. This would make a huge difference to our podcast, to me, to the author that we're going to publish, as well as just binding, bindery, binding us together in this amazing literary community and getting a front row seat to what it's like to go through this process. That's the part I'd be excited about is being able to like understand the different steps along the way to like a book being made. Yes. So, I mean, I feel like that's worth a cup of coffee a month. I mean, I already have a video up there of me breaking down the first four submissions Whoosh. that I was reading, what I like, and what looking I don't sexy like. doing it. Yeah, I had a really good kind of uh, masterpiece theater outfit going on, mm-hmm. and I will always dress appropriately. I promise you. But you also heard that we teased a little bit of bonus content with Matt and Meg at the end, which is um, very funny slash thoughtful. That's where you can get it, people. If you go join us over at inkyphoenix.binderybooks.com, that's where you're going to get all the juicy bonus tidbits from Free Cookies, along with other juicy bonus tidbits and some swag. There will be swag. Funny and thoughtful is the Free Cookies mission. So... I'm not going to have the last word today. I'm going to give Ragnar. Ragnar the last word. Have you got the balls to join us? Our journeys have just begun. This is not the end. It's just the beginning. Okay, thanks for that last word, Ragnar, but I forgot there is actually another last word.
We are produced by the amazing Lindsay Collins of F&B Radio here in Charleston, South Carolina. Whoop, whoop. Okay, say something, say something. And, and that's all, folks. Oh, do your Donald Duck voice. But now say something, so I'm not half a lost That's all, folks. I, I mean, I have to listen to that again. How embarrassing. Bye.